This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The John Frickin' Meerpod is stoked to partner with Garage Grown Gear for Season 6 of the podcast. Garage Grown Gear, or GGG for short, is your online store for all things ultralight backpacking. Dedicated to supporting the growth of small and cottage brands, they've got everything you need all in one place. From ultralight accessories to dehydrated meals to your big three, Garage Grown Gear has everything you need to lighten your load. Based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, GGG is known for its commitment to providing quality ultralight gear, stellar customer service, and free shipping and returns over $40. Do yourself a favor and get your gear at GGG. I am always ready to learn, although I do not always like being taught. Winston Churchill. You know, don't do it for your your wife. Don't do it for your kids. Don't do it for cloud on social media. Do it because it's going to make you a better person. And once I had that conversation and I got into the mindset and, and saw the changes that could happen, um, it, it came, it, I'm not going to say it came naturally, it definitely didn't come easy, but it, it became something that it was worthwhile. And it's something that I truly love to do. And um, I'm going to keep doing it until I can no longer do it. You know, I'm not getting any younger, but, you know, I'm going to keep rolling jujitsu. I'm going to keep getting into the backcountry and checking stuff out as long as I can and definitely keep uh, doing some marathons. But it, it's just a mindset you have. It's a switch that flips in your brain. I think at, at some point in time in our lives, we all look back and go, you know, what have I accomplished in my life? What is it? What am I doing with my life? I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. 
Hey, is this thing on? Hello? Hit it again. I think it's on now. <clears throat> Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, where each week, Doc will drag some colorful characters out of the woods to talk trail and type 2 fun. If you're aspiring hiker trash, or if you're just looking to understand the hiker trash in your life, look no further. So lace up those boots, gnaw on some jerky, and settle into your 20-mile pace as we fire up the podcast from somewhere deep in the backcountry. It's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags, hiker trash, and of course, good smelling day hikers. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, help us out. Take just a minute, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like what we're doing, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a backpacker and videographer with a unique approach to life, Caleb Young. How's it going, Caleb? Doing good, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And where, where are you calling in from today? I am currently in central Virginia where I live for the mostly all my life, pretty much. <laughs> really? Yeah. Now, you know, I was born in Iowa, but I was only there for six months. And then my folks moved out to Southern California. And from where my, my childhood home, I, I'm probably within 15 miles of, of where I grew up as well. I mean, it, it's a, a small circle. Well, it's it's interesting because when I was a kid, I wanted nothing more than to get out of my small town. And when I graduated high school, I got out of my small town and just moved two counties over to another small town. So, you know, I didn't go far from home. So, <laughs> but now as I get older, I'm glad to be back in my hometown and uh, I couldn't imagine, you know, living anywhere else. It's funny how it works out that way. It does. Now, Caleb, uh, we usually go by trail names on the podcast. I know you've done some some backpacking, some hiking. Have you Have you picked up a trail name along the way? I have never picked up a trail name from another hiker. I, I do have a nickname uh, that I've gathered throughout the years, uh, not from on the trail, obviously, but just from uh, work experience, if you if you like to hear that. Sure. So obviously my name is Caleb, um, but I've had people call me Kellogg, just like the cereal. Um, there's kind of a, I guess, semi-entertaining story behind that, but um, basically I was working as a young man doing construction. I was working with a guy and for some reason, he could never pronounce my name. He he called me everything but my name. He called me Cable Cantaloupe, and then finally one day he just blurted it out, and I just never I just never corrected him. And then when you know we're working on a job site with a bunch of guys, you know they just start calling you, and it just becomes a thing. And uh, even twenty years later, if I run into somebody who calls me that, I can usually tell either I work with them or they're friends of somebody that I used to work with. Man, you are lucky that cantaloupe didn't stick. That that's I mean, he called me a few other things, but we'll we'll leave it off to the side, you know, until maybe after the podcast. Fantastic. Okay, you know what? Then I'll sprinkle in some Kellogg's along the way. There you go, man. All right. Hey, uh Kellogg, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? Uh yeah, I've caught a couple episodes. Um, you know, I, I have I follow you obviously, um, you know, so I get the updates when your your episodes release. But yeah, I've called a couple of them. Um, Gregory James, the ethnic explorer, I caught that one. Uh, Randall Gillespie from Grunt Proof, he's actually a friend of mine. Um, I'm actually currently right now listening to your most recent uh, upload, and uh, it it's interesting. Like, um, I have a hard time like turning off the episode. I'm like listening to it. I'm like, I gotta go inside. I gotta. I'm done running. Let's. I'll I'll finish this tomorrow. You know that type of thing. So. 
Yeah, and the latest episode is that is that the uh, Jamil Corey slam of yes. slam of the damned. I think yeah, it's a, slam a, cla- the damned. a classic doc episode. That's actually where I actually left off right when he was explaining uh, what the, the the slam of the I can't pronounce it now, but he was explaining <laughs> how he got the name, and uh, I was like, oh, I got to go inside. I'm sitting in my car listening to it. And I'm like, I, all right, I got to go inside now. <laughs> so. Well, hey, I wasn't asking just to just to feel good in case you you listen to the podcast. I was asking to make sure that you are aware of a segment we have towards the end. You're, you're listening to season five right now because that's what's finishing up. But we are actually in season six. We've done a little bit of a revamp. You know, as you know, we we've migrated from the John Freaky Muir Pod to Hacker Trash Radio, which has been a, a lot of fun. It's a, it's been an interesting I've noticed that. I, I turn of events. <laughs> yeah, so. and we've also updated some of our segments. So what used to be. The uh, pro tip inside of the week, that is now the hiking hack. And so towards the end of the episode, we will uh, turn to you and ask you to share a hiking hack, some trail wisdom with our listeners to make sure that their next outdoor experience is even better. So don't be don't be surprised when we get there. <laughs> All right. All right. Trailblazers Toolkit. That's right. It's time for the Trailblazers Toolkit, sponsored by the Ultralight Backhacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. I love to talk about gear, Caleb, and I love to hear about the most important item in my guest's adventure gear. So if you were preparing for your next adventure, and I was the one providing you with all your gear, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? Give me all the specifics on that piece of gear and tell me why you've got to have it out there. And this can be any type of item. It could be gear, it could be apparel, it could be a luxury item. So Kellogg, what is that item in your toolkit? You know, I've thought about this. Like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of the podcast, but mine would obviously have to be a blade. I, I'm a knife guy. Um, if I couldn't carry the blade that I always carry out into the backcountry, um, I would settle for like a Mora knife um, just because they're really, really good knives. They, they hold up well and um, they just keep getting better and better over the years. They're lightweight. Um, you can beat on them and, um, I've owned several of them over the years. And um, usually if I'm just kind of messing around the woods locally, um, that's something I'll carry, you know, compared to my, uh, my bigger knife that I would normally use in the back country. So. Yeah. Did you say, is it a Moro knife? Uh, Mora. I think it's M O R A. M O R A. That's a Swedish design. Um, and uh, they've been out for years. It's probably one of the first knives I've ever owned besides the uh, probably a Swiss army knife. So. Right. Now, is that a folding knife or is it a fixed blade? It's it's a full tang knife. They come in different uh, blade steels. They're very mm-hmm. affordable. I mean, they're as low as, I think you can get them as low as like 20 bucks. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they're very affordable and uh, they last forever. Mm-hmm. Now, I was talking to a French guy back earlier. I think it was earlier in season five. Uh, Thomas, I can't pronounce his last name for the life of me, but Thomas, uh, and he, he was from France and he talked about the Openal. Have you heard about the Openal okay. knife? I, have, I actually have one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, was going to ask about that. As soon as I finished talking to him, I went on, on Amazon and I, I ordered it and uh, got it in time for Christmas. It was, it's a nice little addition. Yeah. Wooden handle or folds open. You kind of turn it to kind of lock the blade. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> it. Exactly yeah. it. All right. Well, Hey, let's, uh, let's keep talking about gear with. It's the hiking pole. That's right. It's a hiking pole, and that's pole spelled P-O-L-L with uh, two L's, like a survey, not like the thing you carry in your hand out there. I uh, always like to explain that because, you know, just pointing out how clever I am. Um, <laughs> this is a this is a seven-question survey that is going to help me give you a score on the sanity scale. 
from Ooh. one to a hundred. Oof. <laughs> if with one one being completely insane and one hundred being completely sane. Gotcha. All right. You've you've heard this before on some of the episodes, I'm sure. This is probably one of my my, my favorite parts of the podcast right here. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. I love the feedback. So uh, these are all set. These seven seven questions are all about hiking. They're all hiking related, and this is not a rapid fire. This is this is you give me your answer, and then you also give me your thought process and your reasoning behind your answer. That's going to help me factor in what your score should be. Because sometimes, even when I don't agree with your answer, uh, the way you explain it might might uh, cause me to to adjust my score. Gotcha. Okay. Now, if I were to ask uh, friends and family, hey, where does Caleb fall on the sanity scale? Is he is he closer to the crazy side or the, or the sane side? What what would they say? I'll be honest with you. I mean, my wife definitely thinks I'm crazy. So, but I would say most people kind of say I'm in the I'm in the middle. You know, I'll take chances, but I'm not a complete moron. But um, I don't know, man. I, I'm a little crazy, probably. <laughs> You know, I'm always on the lookout for a trail name for the episode during our conversation. Look for some kind of turn of phrase, uh, something funny that is said. This this episode now, Caleb, it, it might be titled, I'm not a complete moron, Caleb Young. What do you think? You're, you know, we'll, we'll put that off to the side and see what we can't come up later on. You know? it's, <laughs> it's, like, almost it's a good like, one, but you never know. That's right. It, it's like being stuck with the moniker of cantaloupe. You, you want to keep yeah. looking for something else. See, there it is. That's, that's what I always got all my life. It's just a cantaloupe, man. <laughs> got it. Got it. All right. So first question. Here we go. Trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? No trekking poles. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and the reason and- behind it is, um, you know, when I first got into hiking, you know, I, I took other hikers advice about the benefits of them. And I like having my hands free. And I know you can get the ones with like the, the rings around them where you can kind of dangle them off your wrist. But I just I never felt comfortable with them. You know, I always like being able to have my hands free. Um, I didn't like carrying something to me that wasn't I mean, it wasn't necessary. It did help at times, but to me, it didn't make a big difference, you know, no matter what kind of train I was on. OK, and you, you spent some time on the AT and you have not found the need for hiking poles out there. <sighs> Not really. I mean, I, I've tried them and um, I actually tried them for probably two or three months, I guess you could say. And I mean, they definitely have their place, but most time I just I just bulldog it up, up the mountain, man, pretty much. I just that's all I ever do is just push my way through. Got it. The, the brute force method. That's it. Yes. All right. Question number two. What's on your feet? Boots or trail runners? Uh, definitely boots. Um but also trail runners because I do do trail running. But uh, if you catch me on the trail just hiking, it's it's usually always boots. Okay, and, and, the, you have a- and the reason, and it's just really for ankle support. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I've talked to other through hikers and backpackers, and they swear by trail runners. Are like, you know, hey, I started off with the whole boot thing, but man, trail runners are the way to go. But I'm just like, I don't know, man. I just I, I think just the ankle support is important to me. So, and what kind of boots do you prefer? Do you have a special um, brand? Not really. Right now, I have some uh, Under Armour boots. Um, I'm trying to think how you pronounce them. I know they're expensive, but um, they they're they're lightweight. Um, they dry pretty fast. Um, I, I mean, they're more they're more of like a more rugged boot. But I think the reason I bought them was just for the fact that they're they're well made, and if you get into water, they dry out pretty easily. 
So, and the process, pretty much just lightweight. I've had some other boots where you put them on and after a few miles, it just feels like you're dragging blocks on your feet up the mountain. So, you know, I played around with a few, a few shoe types, but, uh, I like Under Armour. Um, uh, I think it is, uh, there's another one that starts with an S. I can't think, think of what the name is off the top of my head. Solomon. That's it. That's okay. it. Cause I remember yeah. the first time I, I saw the name, I thought it said salmon or something like that. Uh-huh. I, was like, I went back and looked at it, you know, but I've tried those. I have a few different ones, but usually, um, I, I kind of go back and forth between, uh, those two boots. So. Well, see, this is good that you gave the explanation because in two of the, the big, big points for trail runners are that they're lighter on your feet and they dry out quickly if you, if you, if you get them wet. So you are using boots that kind of mimic that to some yeah. degree. Yeah. Got it. All right. Question number three, when it comes to your shelter out there, do you prefer a tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or hey, let's just cowboy camp? Oh, this is a tough one because it really depends on where I'm at, the time of year, and uh, just a host of things. But if it's summertime, um, it's usually a hammock. Uh, if I'm going to a place where it's a little bit cooler, um, it's more likely to rain, I, I go with a tarp every time. Um, make a fire put the tarp up using trekking poles or whatever I have around and just kind of rough it kind of, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, it can't, it can't I be found, trekking. It can't be trekking poles. Cause you don't carry those. Oh yeah. You got me there. If I had trekking poles, I would use them. <laughs> I, that's one of the things you find out when you get into hiking is some things you need to put up a shelter and you don't have them with you. So, um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that um, when I'm out there, I never sleep well in the woods anyway. So as I'm of a hammock, a tent, I, I never sleep more than, four or five hours a night. So <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's tough to get comfortable and to stop your, your brain from, from doing that racing. And and I've, I've done some long hikes in hot weather. I've been, you know, nice and comfy and I've never slept. I've never had that good night's sleep that I hear people talk about in the woods. That's just never a thing for me. So I don't know if it's just me or maybe uh, I'm not using the right sleep system, but uh, I've never slept very well in the woods. Now let's talk about the tarp. Do you do just a standard A-frame, or do you have a, another unique pitch that you use? Uh, usually A-frame. Um, I've done some lean-to stuff, uh, just running some paracord out, um, and just having anchors at the bottom to kind of keep it like you know like a slope. Um, but again, like it really all depends on the weather, you know. Yeah. And uh, like I said, if you're if it's cold outside, you don't want to be on the ground, um, you know. But it's one of those things that really all, really all depends on where I'm at. It really mm-hmm. does because sometimes I bring a tarp, but I also bring a hammock sometimes just because I don't know what the weather's going to do sometimes. Yeah. If you do carry a single pole with you, you could do the, the asymmetrical Holden tarp pitch, which is uh, one of my favorites because it gives you good protection, but it still leaves uh, the night sky easily accessible because it, it's it's nice to see those stars out there. And, and another thing is I'm a very impatient person. I don't like putting things together, especially in the middle of the night, like a tent. And I have a hammock that I can literally put up in like less than two minutes. And like you said, with the tarp, I mean, you can do it down and dirty pretty fast. So, you know, I think we're kindred spirits because there used to be this restaurant close to my, close to my work. It was a Chinese buffet and you know, the food was okay, but the, the, the great thing about it was I could walk in, go straight to the buffet line, grab a plate and be sitting down and eating with like, within like 45 seconds. So that was like high, high up in my priority list, you know, and not having to wait for the, the whole taking your order and having the food delivered process. 
Well, well, you and I would get along because I, I, I you know, I always joke with my wife because she'll go to Walmart and she'll always say, I'll be back in a minute. And it's never a minute. But I'm like a member of SEAL Team 6. I go in, hit the hit the target, and I'm out the door in less than 10 minutes. That's and right. she always looks at me like I'm, like I'm crazy. Like, how do you – I'm like, I I just go in and get out. That's it. I don't – That's right. I call that I call that quick strike shopping. It's a quick strike operation. You know what you want. You know what you need. You go in there, you get it, and you get out. And you've been in the store enough. You know where something is. So, I mean, unless you're looking for something else, there's no reason why you should be in there more than 10 minutes. Absolutely. So. <laughs> you know, all the points I just deducted over your previous answers, I've added back in because uh, you and I are, are simpatico <laughs> there. Okay. Uh, question number four. When it comes to your sleep system, are you, are you a sleeping bag guy or a quilt guy? Oof. I've messed with both, but I would have to say that I'm a sleeping bag guy. Mm. Um, I, I, I am. Um, like I said, depending on the time of year, but I, I, I find myself always going back to a sleeping bag. Um, and will it change over time? Possibly, but you know, uh, I just I try to I carry I try to carry less gear every time I go out just to kind of test myself and see what I can get into and like what I can stand. So. Uh, but right now I'm, I'm a sleeping bag guy. So, okay. Do you prefer down or synthetic with your sleeping bag? Damn, I'll say down. So, yeah. um, I don't, I don't think I've ever tried the other one. I think I just, I think I've only tried like just down. So, okay. What is yeah. what is your sleeping bag rated to? What temperature? I think the most one is like 30 degrees or something like that. Um, I. I I, I mean, I never go like really expensive on sleeping bags at all. I always get like Walmart sleeping bags or something like mm-hmm. that. So if they're, I mean, and I've camped in the wintertime, but um, if it's super cold or something like that, I mean, it's not really going to help that much. So, and like I said, I don't sleep well in the woods anyway. So uh, I just kind of grin and bear it if I have to stay out there more than a night. So. All right. Now, when it comes to food out there on the trail, do you bring a stove? Or are you cold soak or are you stoveless? This is question number five. Uh, you know, the cold soak thing, I don't even understand. I've heard you talk about this on the podcast. I I've tried it. And I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm a stove guy. Um, you know, and I, I don't think I will ever try anything else. I, I tried the cold soak and it was just disgusting. So <laughs> yeah. Cold mush. Not, not sure. That's uh not, that's for us. Yeah. Right. It's not my thing. I can't do it. All right. Question number six is life better above or below the tree line. Oof, man, I've heard this question before, and I'm going to tell you that I think it is above, above the tree line. Um, again, obviously, you don't want to be on top of a mountain when it's thundering and lightning. But, you know, on a nice, clear night, summer night, there's nothing better than being on top of a mountain looking at the stars. So um, I'm going to say above the tree line. <laughs> yeah, that is the correct answer, but you still lose points because it's kind of crazy. You, you just lose <laughs> you lose more points if you pick uh, you pick the other one. Well, I'm just being honest, you know, that's right. <laughs> All right. And then last question, question number seven, what's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Oh, I don't really care about pack weight. I'm one of those people like I've I've talked to backpackers, man, and they 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 measure and weigh every ounce. And when I work out, one of the things I work out is my back just so I can carry more weight. But again, when I go out in the woods, especially if I'm just, you know, messing around, I try to go as light as possible. I try to carry stuff I don't need. And if I, if I do need it, I try to go without it just to kind of test myself, just see you know what I can get away with out there. 
Got it. Okay, we have your answers. Uh, stand by just for a second. I've got to do some math. We need to put your answers through the algorithm here. So I've got to, <laughs> got to carry the two. We're going to divide by pi uh, and multiply that by root five. And we will adjust for the the uh, the, the sway of a hammock uh, in the woods. And I come up with a score of 47. Oh, my God. I, you know, do you have somebody to check behind you just in case? I mean, I think I should be a little bit higher. <laughs> Just kid. Well, um, had, you know, it was it was a little bit of the hiking pole answer, and uh, and what else did we have here? We had we had a deduction on what's on your feet uh, to some degree. You got some points back with with you know being a stove guy, but uh, it was just too much to overcome right there. <laughs> Fair play, I'll take it. All right. Hey, Caleb, before we get too far down the trail, let's let's back up. Tell us about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in as a kid, and how did you get involved in the whole outdoor, outdoor adventure cult? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in a very small town in central Virginia. And when I mean small town, um, I don't mean like we only have one Starbucks and you know, the bus system is crappy. There is no Starbucks. There is no bus system. Uh, everything here is locally owned. It's family owned. Um I think you can go through the entire town in probably less than three minutes driving. Um, and uh, I'm the youngest of four kids um, growing up. And I grew up in that generation where your parents kicked you outside uh, in summer days and told you to go play. And you were just hanging out in the woods, building forts, you know, drinking water out of creeks and just running a muck in the woods. Um, and uh, me and my brother used to go out in the woods. I mean, all the time, just building crazy forts and shelters and things like that. Um, as I got older, uh, I actually started playing uh, Little League Baseball. I did that for a number of years until I was about 12 or 13 years old. And then once I got towards uh, high school, um, I got a new hobby, which was I became interested in girls. So, you know, I didn't really worry <laughs> about baseball anymore. So, Priorities. Uh, you know, that's what I said. If I told my mom anyway, you know. <laughs> Now, you said you had uh, three siblings. You were the youngest of four. Was it one brother and two sisters? Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty funny because uh, uh, I, I'm the youngest of my, my siblings. Um, my mom had uh, two girls first and then two boys. And then I, when I got married, I had two girls first and then two boys. So it, I kind of followed that line. And, um, you know, being the youngest, uh, if you ask my brothers and sisters, they would say that I got away with murder. I remembered a little bit differently, you know, I remember being blamed for everything. I remember, uh, you know, taking the blame for everything because I was smaller, but, um, you know, me and my brother are only 18 months apart. So we're close in age. And I mean, like I said, when we were kids, we used to just run a muck in the woods. I mean, we were, we were hooligans. <laughs> so. Yeah. And how, how much older are your sisters? Uh, my, my oldest sister actually passed away a few years ago. Um, and, uh, she has some health issues, uh, uh, which is kind of, we'll talk about this later on, but one of the reasons I actually got into uh, fitness and working out. Um, my middle sister, she is, I want to say 47. Mm-hmm. And then of course my brother is, uh, I think he's, he'll turn 42, he'll turn 40, 42 or 43 next week. His birthday is June 4th. I know that. I, I, I always forget how old he is. <laughs> so that That would make you 41? I'll be 41 this year. Yes. Be 41 this year. Okay. Yeah. So, so not a huge spread and you guys were all within 10 years of each other. 
Yeah, and growing up as a kid, um, my yeah. mom was a single mom, so she she worked two jobs. My older mm-hmm. sister pretty much raised the rest of us, mm-hmm. and so she was kind of like a second mom. And uh, you know, you know, it, it, it made us all of us grow closer together as a family, just because you know we we grew up in that that environment, and uh, you know, it just whatever we lacked in possessions, we we had in, in love for each other. So, yeah. Did any of your siblings also catch the outdoor adventure bug? I, not really. Um, you know, as we got older, uh, my brother, you know, he, you know, finished school. He got into the workforce, things like that. You know, my sisters were never big into the outdoors to begin with. Um, you know, I was pretty much the only one that really kind of stayed on it. And even then, when I even back then, as I got older, I kind of shied away from it a little bit. And it's not because I didn't love it. It's just there was other things happening in my life that, that kept me off the trail. So. Right. And do you want to give a shout out to the to this little town? What, what's the name of the little town you grew up in? Well, the town I live in is called Buckingham County. Uh, it is, I want to say, uh, 20 miles south of the largest town, which would be a town called Farmville, Virginia. If you don't believe me, you can look it up. That's the actual name. Uh, it's a college town. Um, you know, it's it's the closest town that has a Walmart, anything of like real civilization. And it's where you can usually find me when I'm not in the woods. <laughs> so. All right. Buckingham County. Now, is that the name of the town or that you just lived in a, a small gathering of, of folks in a county? Uh, it, it, the, the, this actual county is called Buckingham County, but the town that I mean is so small, it's called Dillwyn. D-I-L-L-W-Y-N. Dillwyn. That, okay. That's got some character right there. Dillwyn. It's got it's got some twang to it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great place. Like I said, I moved out when I, uh, out of the area when I was out of high school, but, uh, getting married and coming back to the area, um, it's a great place to raise a family and, you know, I can't imagine living anywhere else. So now it, it, this is not a political commentary whatsoever, but it's just amazing, uh, about how kids are today and how much involvement their parents have and, uh, how much their lives are planned for them, uh, in terms of what they're doing on a daily basis, on a, on an hourly basis. And you and I, we were kind of turned loose with no supervision whatsoever. It's it's amazing to me that we survived. You know, I tell people, I tell my kids that, and they just, they can't fathom it. And I'm like, you know, when I, when I was younger at nine o'clock in the morning, my mom was like, you have to go outside and do something. Do not come in here unless you are dying or you're starving to death. And I mean, I remember being a kid and we had a neighbor that had a small garden and we would go in his garden. I mean, we were just kids like 10 years old, like picking tomatoes off the vine and eating them, um, drinking water out of creeks and water hoses. And just like I said, running amok through the woods. I mean, I was building forts and shelter on property that didn't even belong to my family. Um, nowadays, it's like kids. I mean, you got to beat them outside almost, you know. Just about. And I, I didn't grow up, grow up in a rural setting. I grew up in a suburban setting, but we, same thing. We would leave the house in the morning on the weekends and be out all day. This is before cell phones or pagers or anything like that. Parents would have no idea where we were. And we'd be all the way across town uh, just from, from walking or riding our bikes, doing, you know, God knows what. And we'd come home when, when the streetlights came on. And, and we didn't have streetlights. Our streetlight was the sun. When it dipped below Below the tree line, you know, you knew to get back to the house. And usually by the time you got close to your house, you could hear your mom yelling for you. So, you know, that was our street light out here in the country. So 
I love that. And that's also a new title contender. We didn't have streetlights, Caleb Young. Yeah, that's that's another good one. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of puts it in perspective. As kids, we we measured things in different ways depending on where we grew up. I measured it by the you know the passage of time, uh, you know, by when the streetlights came on. You measured it by by when the sun went down over the horizon. I, I mean, it, it's it's the God. I mean, it's, it's the truth. And I mean, it's you know, I look back at my childhood. I'm very grateful for the childhood I had because you know. It, you know, I had some great friends. I had some great times and, uh, you know, it was just a good time to be alive. Absolutely. All right. So Caleb, what are you doing these days to pay the bills and finance your adventures? Uh, you know, the full-time job is I'm a machinist. Um, I, I work with metal and make things with my hands, um, for like just different companies and things like that. Um, so I use CNC machining to make, you know, different parts. I mean, it could be anything. It could be, you know, letterings for signs. It could be just about anything. I mean, it, I make, I mean, I've done probably a lot of things. I mean, some stuff is more boring than others, but um, I've made signs and letterings for the military. I've made, um, you know, sculpture pieces for different um, organizations and things like that. Uh, the side gig is obviously photography and videography. Um, I've gotten to that the last couple of years and uh, I really kind of, I guess, uh, trained on doing that by doing YouTube. So, um, and I, I've always had a passion for that type of, of you know, media. It's just making videos, um, whether anybody watches them or not, I, I just enjoy making them. So, <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. Now, my stepfather, he was a machinist, he has his own machine shop and when he retired, he actually moved a lot of that equipment into, into his garage and still did some small projects here and there for some different companies. Back in that day, it was mostly, you know, drill presses and uh, lathes, you know, bandsaw, but uh, no such thing as a CNC machine back then. Tell us about what is a CNC machine? Um, it, It's basically just, it's, it's a machine that basically, um, I mean, it, it makes things like uh, um, I cut, I cut parts on like a, uh, a laser, you know, it just cut out of like a full sheet of like aluminum. That's like 48 by 96 inches long. And, um, you know, we just design stuff on the computer, basically send it to the machine, hit go, and it does its thing. And then, you know, you sculpt it, you know, clean it up, make it look presentable. And then, uh, you know, customer likes it, they buy it. If not, they send it back and let us know what we need to work on. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty high tech. You know, those days where we would try and get out of the house early in the morning, if we didn't get out of the house early enough, uh, my stepfather would have brought home a a set of uh, products that needed to be deburred, and we have to sit in the yard and and with a file and and deburr these these metal parts and just cut your cut your hands to shreds. Yeah, I'm, I mean, my my uh, my dad at the time, you know, we you know we cut grass and did things like that. Um, you know, I was we had a riding lawnmower, but we could never use it. We always used the push mower because that was strictly reserved for my dad so you know i was a small kid out there you know what 70 pounds pushing this lawnmower through a big open yard and you're just like hating life but you know looking back on it now i I think it built character because you know it's the hard work that i had as a kid it definitely helps me later on in life makes me appreciate you know my upbringing so yeah, and I don't want to overgeneralize and and beat on this this uh, this generation right now, but you know, <laughs> a, a lot of kids don't have a job until they get out of college these days. I mean, not a not a lot of them have had to really have a you know a a, a job at a fast food restaurant or you know doing some some manual labor out there. They've been they've been pretty well taken care of. 
Yeah, I mean, my kids, they've always had a job. You know, my, even my little kids, uh, my youngest one is seven. And, I mean, their jobs are like, you know, putting away uh, the dishes, uh, you know, towels for the bathroom, things like that, uh, picking up the rooms, you know, just, just general stuff they can handle. But, obviously, when they get a little bit older, they're going to be uh, cutting grass and doing things outside. And, and I mean, we pay them. I never got paid. <laughs> you know, they, they don't get a huge allowance. They get, like, maybe, like, 10 bucks a week or something like that. But, I mean – uh, when I was a kid, we did work and never got paid. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think a theme is probably going to emerge in, in the second segment of tonight's episode is that easier is not always better. I mean, there is, there is a purpose for going through hard stuff, uh, that really it, it builds something in you. And so I don't know that we're doing our kids a favor by letting them skate by and just focus on studying, right? Uh, th- there is some, some benefit to, doing some, doing some labor and, and, and doing some work out there. It definitely is. And I, you know, I, I encourage anyone who has children, especially small children, there's nothing wrong with that. Asking your kid to do chores, cut grass, you know, things, you know, they can handle because, you know, as you say, you don't want to beat up on today's generation, but I see a lot of uh, sometimes entitlement, even I say laziness. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I want my kids to be, good citizens. I want them to be good people and work hard for everything they have. So. Yeah. And I, I know, I know that there's probably not, I, I don't want to blame anybody on this, that you certainly can't blame the kids and you certainly can't, can't, you know, blame the parents really, because as a parent, you always want to be, you want always want to provide a little bit more than what you got as a kid. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You want to, you want to kind of pave the way you want to make sure they have a better life uh, than, than you do. Uh, eventually. And so I can see the, the kind of the motivation behind it, but I think it's, it's not a bad thing to step back and say, you know what? Chores aren't such a bad thing or, uh, you know, a part-time job in high school is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I had fast food jobs when I was in high school, you know, I worked at grocery stores, things like that. And I never wanted to be a career. And I knew, you know, I, I remember my mom's, you know, I remember getting my driver's license and my mom said, you can drive, you can drive my car, but you're going to put gas in it. Um, I'm not buying you a car. You're going to save up your money. You're going to buy your own car because when it comes time to do all the things like replace tires, change the oil, all that stuff, you know, costs money. And I remember being 16 years old, you know, doing burnouts and my mom's 1999 Dodge Intrepid and not having a care in the world. But when it was my car, uh, I didn't do any donuts because I knew I had to put tires on it eventually. So, you know, it, it made me a little bit more responsible and made me appreciate, you know, what I had and, and working hard for it. So, Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Funny how that works. That's great. It is. Yep. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get back to this uh, unique approach to life that I referenced in the intro. We're going to hear how that applies in Caleb's life and see what it's all about. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, 
Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Through hiker owned Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. And welcome back. We're talking to Caleb Young, a.k.a. Kellogg, not Cantaloupe. And uh, we heard a little bit about him growing up, heard some good stories there. Let's talk about this unique approach to life you have and that you're trying to instill in your your own kids. Um, I have here in my notes something called training for life. Tell me about that. Oh, man. You know, training for life for me is like when you're passionate about something, uh, even hiking, you know, you dedicate your life to it. You know, you want to be in the best shape. You want to have the skill set to get yourself out of dangerous situations. Um, and I take full advantage of that. And what I found through hiking is, you know, everybody knows you have to be in good shape to hike. You know, if you're going to be a through hiker and hike the AT or the, or the PCT, you know, you want to be in good shape. And, uh, when I first started going, going into hiking, um, I was doing like regular trails, uh, mostly flat. But when I started getting into the mountains, I realized I wasn't in great shape. And I knew if I wanted to do, you know, hiking and backpacking through through hiking and, and getting into the backcountry, I had to be in better shape. So I made it a point to myself that if this is my craft, if this is something I'm passionate about, I need to dedicate my life to it and basically try to be the best version of myself I can be physically, mentally just everything that involves the outdoors. And did you have any kind of outside inspiration in that aspect? Oh man. Uh, I'm a book nerd. Um, and I, I actually, I, I didn't know about this guy, but I found this guy. His name is David Goggins. Uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, he's a former Navy SEAL. Um, and he wrote this book called can't hurt me. And it's kind of his life story. It basically tells you, you know, how he grew up and, um, this guy had a bad childhood. You know, he wasn't a smart kid. He had an abusive father. Um, he was overweight. He had all these bad things going for him, but he decided, you know, I don't want this life anymore. 
I want to do better. And um, he decided he wanted to become a Navy SEAL. And uh, I I want to say he's the only person that goes through three Navy SEAL hell weeks, I think in like one year or two years, or something like that. And um, he's considered probably the, you know, the baddest dude alive. I mean, he's, he, he's just an awesome dude. And to see that guy go from that transformation to basically an overweight, you know, exterminator in a small town to being one of the most elite warriors that the military produces all from just putting his mindset to what he wanted to do in life. And after reading his story, I'm like, this dude had every excuse in the world to be nothing. And he chose to be something. So what is my excuse? What can I do to make my life better? And so, so how have you done that? What did, what have you done to, uh, Put, to, to level up, to get, get to get yourself ready for, for whatever challenge comes your way. You know, like going back to the, the, the section hiking and through hiking and stuff like that, it's like I had these dreams and goals and I made excuses for everything. You know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you like, you know, um, I, I had a rough childhood. Things happened in my life. Big deal. Get over it. But every time something came up in my way, an obstacle, I'd always make an excuse. It's too far. You know, it's it's too cold. It's. You know, it's too high. There's something, And I basically said I had to stop putting excuses first. I, I needed to put in the work. If I wanted to be a section hiker, a through hiker eventually one day, then I need to put in the work. And I did that by getting in shape, um, losing weight, eating right, and uh, just having the mindset that when things get tough, you, you keep going. You don't, you know, bow down and, you know, head back down the mountain. You, you stick it out. Yeah, I mean, that is that is an a topic we talk about occasionally here is that people who are planning their next adventure and they, they're, they're trying to plan it to the nth degree and they're waiting for the right time. If you're, if you're waiting for the right time, uh, um, sometimes you know, that'll never come. You have to stop making excuses and, and take, take the plunge. Don't, don't, uh, you know, equipment out there can be very expensive. You know, the ultralight equipment, if you can't afford it, don't get the ultralight equipment, get, get something else, but don't let that pro- prohibit you from, from getting out there and, and doing something. I mean, absolutely. And I mean, you know, are there going to be rainy days? Sure. Is it going to be cold? Sure. But how bad do you want it? You know, when it gets cold, are you just going to get off the trail and go into a nice motel and, and wait it out? No, you, you just got to keep pushing forward. Take a second, evaluate what's going on and keep moving forward. And if you do that enough times, you'll reach the end. I mean, if you're doing everything in perfect weather and perfect conditions, I mean, where is the type two fun? There is no type two fun in those situations. And, and that's the thing. I, I mean, I, I purposely go out in bad weather because it makes me appreciate the the nicer days even more because when it's 80 degrees outside, and you're going for a run. That's great. But when it's 15 degrees outside and it's spitting rain, it's not so fun. <laughs> now, were you a runner in high school? No, I mean, I was I was never a runner. Um, you know, I think the best shape I was ever in my life was obviously in high school, you know, because you have gym class, you're you know, you're, you have a better metabolism. And as you get older, you know, you know, and and as you, like I said, making excuses again, things happen and life happens. And, you know, I just kind of got to the point where, um, you know, I wanted to to reach my full potential. If there's something that was hard or it made me uncomfortable, I wanted to do them. You know, I've always wanted to be, I always wanted to run a marathon, but I always made an excuse why I couldn't do it. Um, You know, even going to the gym, I have a gym a mile from my house and I would make excuses about why I couldn't go. And and now I'm I'm literally running to the gym every day to to work out. 
And it's all because I just kind of got to the point where I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be a hiker, someone in outdoors, I have to be in the best condition I can be. And I have to stop making excuses and take ownership of, of my life. Did you ever get to that, that marathon? Uh, no, I've done some five K's and things like that, but I, I'm not, I've, I've never done like an ultra marathon. I'm not, I mean, like I said, I, you know, I'm brave. I'm not stupid. You know, I, I've, I've studied those races. I've seen what people go through and I'm going to get there one day, but I, I'm, I'm training for that part. I'm training to be one day an ultra marathon runner. I'm training to be a, a through hiker on the AT. Um, these are all goals I have. And the only way to get there is to obviously, you know, you know, keep moving forward and train for life, train for what I want. Now you don't have to do an ultra marathon. There is just the marathon you could do, you know, 26.2. You don't have to do the 30 or the 50 miler. Yeah, you know, I, I've done 5K and 10K, and you know, I I did them because I've always I was always interested. I mean, I watched them, and I was like, it's, it seems like kind of cool thing. And then I got out there, and it wasn't so fun. Number one, because you know, I was running in an urban environment. I didn't like it. It was just blacktop and just city folk running around, and I wasn't I wasn't enjoying it. And you know, I've done a couple of them just to say I've done them, but um, I really enjoy trail running. You know, the hills, the elements being out there and, you know, even the camaraderie around, around runners, you know, you mm -hmm. know, they'll, you know, if they see you struggling. There's a, always a kind word to say, like, you know, hey, keep going. You can do it. Or, you know, hey, run with me for a little bit, you know, stuff like that. So um, I just enjoy trail running more than I do. Like I call it urban running. I don't even know what you want to call it, but I, I, I never really enjoyed the 5Ks in cities and stuff like that. It just never was my thing. Now, uh, Caleb, I have to tell you that I didn't pick up running till I was 43 and I, I've done four marathons and uh, there's something to be said about a, a marathon in that it is a, it is a big race where it's, it's one of those things where you toe the line at the beginning and, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is going to suck at some point. This is, this is going to be something, but you know what? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And also the training you know, the three or four months of training leading up to the marathon, I think in my mind are, is just as big an accomplishment getting through the training program for a marathon than the actual, or as, as big as the actual marathon itself. And there's also a great atmosphere at an official marathon. I did the LA marathon three times, and then I did the San Diego rock and roll for my fourth and the atmosphere and the people lining the streets and cheering you on and the number of runners out there. Uh, supporting each other. It was just, it was incredible. You know, and I, I have to agree with you hundred percent. The first, you know, when I did, you know, I did like my first 5k and I mean, that's like beginner type stuff. And, you know, I wasn't even like trying to win. I was just happy that I was out there outside of my comfort zone, trying something that I had never done before. And you had runners from all ages, body types out there running. And, you know, I I'm trying to, I'm trying to say this in a way that's not insulting, but there was a lady out there that was, not a runner's body, but when she took off that line, it didn't matter. If she was in the last place. She had the biggest smile on her face and the people that, like you said, were on the side, they were cheering her on. And I don't know what she placed, but you know, you could just tell that she wasn't out there to win. She was just out there for, you know, like you said, the camaraderie, the just being out there was fun to her. So uh, that made me really enjoy just getting out there, was just seeing people and just seeing the energy that people had for the sport. So, yeah. And running can be humbling. Running a marathon can be humbling because at mile 25, when you are struggling and you're hurting and you've got, you've got people passing you in your mind, you're thinking, 
I should be able to beat these people and, and they're going to finish in front of me. There's no way they should finish in front of me, but, but they're going to. And that's, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's an endurance event. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, the ones I ran, there was always one guy at the end of the finishing line that was giving everybody high fives or saying like, you know, way to go. Awesome job. Things like that. And it kind of took the sting of either, you know, not finishing first or third you know, out of it because, you know, you knew that guy loved what he was doing and, you know, for him to stick around at the finish line and give you a high five and tell you, you know, good job. You know, it, like I said, the, the community is, is amazing. It really is. All right. Now you talked about putting yourself in difficult situations to prepare yourself for encounters that you might find on the trail. What, what kinds, how would you do that? How would you put yourself in difficult situations? So, you know, when, when I got into hiking, you know, I would watch videos from, you know, gear, you know, things you need. But I would also watch these videos about how people got into trouble in the outdoors hiking, whether it be section hiking, through hiking. You know, uh, quick story. There was actually a woman here who was hiking the AT and I, I actually watched it on a TV show. She stepped off the trail to, to use the bathroom and uh, got lost. She had all her gear with her and everything like that. But um, when she didn't check in with her husband, uh Obviously, they call search and rescue. They never found her. Uh, it was two years later. A hunter actually found her campsite. She had starved to death. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going out there, especially if I'm going off trail, I want to be ready. So I'm taking self-reliance classes, um, learning land navigation. Um, I got certified in first aid and CPR. Um, I wanted to prepare myself for whatever I might find out there. If I hurt myself, I want to know how to fix myself. Um, if I'm going to navigate, I want to learn, you know, if, if I don't have GPS or, you know, something happens, I want to know, you know, which way I got to go to get out of here. What, what are, what are, what is the incline? What's the decline? You know, um, you know, how do I, how do I use Ranger Beast to count my pace? Uh, just everything. Um, so with running and working out and, you know, whenever I wasn't doing a hike, I was always, uh, you know, taking a self-reliance class. I was studying something that would help me in the outdoors. And not only was I studying it, I was putting it into practice. I would go out there um, and practice navigation. You know, I would do mock mock scenarios where I've broken my arm and I'd, I'd strap up my arm and like, you know, try to build a shelter with one hand type of thing. You know, I would try to you know just take bottle, you know, tops off of bottles with one hand. I mean, I would do things to where, you know, if something was to happen, muscle memory would kick in and say, okay, this is what you have to do. Don't panic. And you know, you're going to be okay. So when I wasn't hiking, I was always preparing for the worst essentially. <laughs> right. Now you talk about shelter building. Did you take any like bushcraft classes? Yeah, I took, I took a couple um survival classes. Um, You know, they used to do typically some of them are like, you know, fall, spring, winter, things like that. And you know, it was, I'll be honest, like I said, growing up as a kid in the woods, it kind of came natural. It was kind of fun. You know, you know, some people would get real serious with it and like try to build the Taj Mahal. And I'm like, look, I'm not living out here in this thing. I just need to survive a night if it's cold or, you know, I just need a place to you know hunker down while it's raining. I just need to know what type of shelter to build and where. And, you know, um, I actually had a lot of fun with it. And like I said, the shelters can be anything from a lean to to um, something to get yourself off the ground using cordage, uh, whether it be paracord or natural cordage. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of just made it to where, you know, I, when I wasn't out on the trail, I was studying for the trail, if it's, you know, a way to put it. 
Got it. Also involved in any kind of training for fire making? Uh, yeah, like all the all the classes I took, you know, um, you know, they would, you know, teach you how to do primitive fire, you know, with a bow drill, obviously a feral rod or, you know, fire steel, however you want to call it. Um, I mean, we would do races where, you know, they tie a string across your fire pit and they would like say, OK, let's see who can build a fire the fastest and get the flame up to where it would like, you know, take out the string. And if you you won, you got the instructor's praise, whatever that means. Um you know, I dabbled a little bit in seer training um, just because I think one of the places I was I was training at offered it. Um, I don't ever expect to be behind enemy lines or anything like that, but just learning how to get out of situations that, you know, could, you know, if you're, you know, I hear stories all the time about people who are through hiking, especially women who can be assaulted, you know, um, and, you know, you know, different things like that. So um, I just became a student of, of all things, uh, of the, of the woods pretty much, you know, anything that could help me uh, better myself out there. I, I wanted to be an expert in now, Sear, that's right up Randy Gillespie's uh, alley uh, for our, our listeners who may not be familiar with, the, with the term, with the acronym Sear, what, what does that stand for? Uh, survive, uh, evade, resist and escape. Um, shout out to uh, Randall over at Grunt Proof. Um, if you don't know, he does have the Grunt Proof Sear challenge uh, over on YouTube. Be sure to check that out. It's a great series. Um, and, uh, you know, he kind of got me interested in that because um, I think I watched the original series uh, with uh, Coleman, Eric Coleman. I don't know if you know him or not. I do. Uh, I do. In fact, I've got a, I got this great sign hanging up to the right of me right now that he made for me just out of nowhere. Contacted me on on Instagram, said, hey, we live near each other. I want to give I'm going to give you something. And he has this great sign that says the uh, it's it was the previous name of the podcast, the John freaking Muir pod. It's on a on a uh looks like something you'd find out in the mountains it's awesome yeah he actually he actually made me a sign uh uh for my office and then uh he made me one for my wife as an anniversary gift it has like our last name on it that we hang outside our house just an awesome guy man great guy um he's a friend of mine as well and uh you know randall watching the seer challenge it really got me interested in it and you know he puts a lot of work into that out there and um you know he kind of teased me a little bit like you know hey you're next to come out here you know we'll see We'll see, but um, you know, just let them know when I come out there. I, I don't go, I don't go half speed. So, well, if you don't, if you don't do the seer challenge, you're also. It sounds like you're ready for either Survivor or Alone. You know, my wife teases me. She's like, you know, uh, she's like, if if something was to happen, she's like, you would bask in the glory of surviving because, you know, we'll make fire pits in our backyard to like do s'mores or something, and I can't go out there like a normal dude with like lighter fluid or something and start a fire. I'm out there like getting tender together. I'm like striking a feral rod, you know, building the building the fire up, and she's just like rolling her eyes, like, "Would you just just get some lighter fluid or something?" Like, come on, the kids are starving, you know. You got to start from the ground up, primitive. Go primitive. I, I told her I was like, "You got to be more supportive." <laughs> <laughs> and do you also dabble in the martial arts? I, I do. I started taking uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu probably about it's coming up on three years now. And uh, that was something that um, I always wanted to do. But again, made excuses not to do. You know, I'm too old. It's, it looks too difficult. There's nothing around. There's no gym around me to train at. I made up every excuse in the world. And eventually, like I said, when I got in the mindset of of wanting to be to be a better person, reach my full potential, um, I stepped into my first uh, academy and uh it was awesome and painful at the same time. I, I loved it. And um, I, I still train. Yeah. I think in our, in our 
the people that I talk to being, you know, of the outdoors, they have a balance in their life. And I think there are a number of people that I've talked to that also have experience in one or more of the martial arts. And I think it's also part of it. You know, you, you're finding this balance in your life. Mike Kucharski, big shout out to Mike, uh, who's out in the, the, in the new England area. You know, he, he also, uh, practices the art of jujitsu and, uh, has, I'm not sure when he got into it, but he he is he is uh, advancing through the through the levels and just having a great time with it. But I think it also adds to that um, way of of looking to find balance in your life. You know, it, I mean, I actually have a funny story about it. Uh, we can go into it later, but um, you know, it I, you're, you're humbled by jujitsu. You really are because when you go in there, you know, you're a white belt. You're going to get ragged all by everybody, and you know, it humbles you very quickly. Um, you will not leave out of a, a gym, a jiu-jitsu gym, and, you know, dry. You will be soaking wet. You will have a big man on top of you sweating all over you, and you're both so exhausted. You're trying to, you know, submit each other, but it's the best time you will ever have. And it's so, I mean, I've heard people tell me, like, it's addictive, and I was like, "There's, it can't be that addictive. It is addictive. It really is. Because when somebody that, you know, you know, taps you so many times, you're like, oh, God, dude, I got this. Not again. I've got to do something different. And it makes you want to train harder so you can tap them. And um, But as a white belt, when you go in there, don't expect to be uh, John Wick and think you're going to just take on the world. You're not. You're going to get ragged all a lot. You're going to get tapped a lot. You're basically just like a, a human test dummy for several months. But it's a great community, you know, and learning, like you said, learning a, a martial art is good for you. It really is. Now, how does someone go from – doing hard things and saying, you know what, this is too hard. I'm going to give up to, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to press on through that. That's a very different mentality. Um, you know, going back to like the family thing, I mentioned my, uh, my sister passed away. Um, she had some health issues. She wasn't in the you know, best of shape. Um, she was a smoker. Um, at the time I was a smoker and, uh, you know, I kind of got it in my mind. I was like, you know, I, I, I don't want to die from a cigarette. Um, I think at the time, you know, I, I was heavier than I'd ever been in my life. And I, I just didn't feel good about myself. I got depressed. I wasn't, you know, I just wasn't in a good state of mind. And, you know, it wasn't until I really sat down and just had an honest conversation with myself. Like, you know, there's a way out of this. But are you willing to put in the work to make it happen? You know, don't do it for your, your wife. Don't do it for your kids. Don't do it for cloud on social media. Do it because it's going to make you a better person. And once I had that conversation and I got into the mindset and, and saw the changes that could happen, um, it, it came, it, I'm not going to say it came naturally, it definitely didn't come easy, but it, it became something that it was worthwhile. And it's something that I truly love to do. And um, I'm going to keep doing it until I can no longer do it. You know, I'm not getting any younger, but you know, I'm going to keep rolling jujitsu. I'm going to keep getting into the back country and checking stuff out as long as I can and definitely keep uh, doing some marathons. But it, it's just a mindset you have. It's a switch that flips in your brain. I think at, at some point in time in our lives, we all look back and go, you know, what have I accomplished in my life? What is it? What am I doing with my life? Am I just here to exist or do I want to do something great? Do I want to do something that my kids can be proud of? And that's for me, that's what it was. I wanted my kids to look back on my life and say, you know, my dad, excuse my language, was a badass. And, uh, you know, I, I want to live up to that. Well said. Well said. Now, t- let's talk a little bit about uh, your experience in the backcountry and how you got involved with backpacking. Tell us a little bit about your time uh, on the AT and also in the Sierras. 
Oh man, I like going from you know, I've done like I said, I've hiked in the woods. I mean, recreationally, but like, um, when I first got into hiking, it was more or less like flat trails. I didn't do anything strenuous. I didn't do anything crazy. But once I got comfortable, I just started up in the game and. You know, a few months after really getting into hiking heavy, I, I got on the AT, and it's it's awesome. You know, I, I've section hiked parts of it. I've done some shorter hikes, some longer hikes, and um, you know, and again, being in fit, being in good shape, and just being you know fitness conscious uh, really helped with that. Because I think the first hike I did on AT was like three miles or something like that, and I was dying. I mean, sweating profusely. I was just like, oh my god, man. And then I was like how am I ever going to do a long section hike? How would I ever through hike this? And again, it all came back to, you know, being a master of the craft. And I was like, okay, I know what I have to do. I have to get in better shape. You know, I have to do things to, um, you know, to go farther, to, to, to deal with the, with the elements. And then once I got to the point where um, I was comfortable on the trail is when I really got into doing like some long section hikes. Again, I'm not the smartest dude in the world, but I'm not an idiot either. Um, I think my first hike on the AT uh, was like three miles and I did like 5.7. And I think my longest hike was about 20 miles. And, you know, every time I went out there, you know, I learned something new, you know, like you're talking about trekking poles, about trekking poles. And I was like, I don't use these as much as I think I will, you know, um, cold soaking, try that. That sucked. Don't do that. You know, I learned something new every time I went out. And then once I got comfortable on the trail, I found myself going off trail, like exploring places that there were no trail getting into the back country, you know, like what's over this Ridge, you know, what's down, what's down in this Valley. And, um, it just, and if I thought the AT was strenuous, going off trail is even more strenuous. It really is. It's, it's the AT is, is thick. The brush there is thick. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it, it just all came down to like, just getting out there, man. If it's something I wanted to do, I wanted to do it the best I possibly could. That's the easiest way to put it. And how did you end up in the Sierras? I mean, that's that's all the way across the country. You know, I, a couple times a year I do some traveling. Um, I've got some friends out there, and I, I think I was watching a documentary about the Sierras, and it just always intrigued me. And I was like, you know, I'm good in my environment, but how could I do in something I'm not familiar with? So, you know, I researched the areas, you know, I checked out local wildlife, plant life, you know, and, you know, it, there's, you know, Yosemite out there. There's just things, you know, I wanted to be a part of. And um, I finally just made the, the trip out there. And um, yeah, it was awesome. It, I mean, it's beautiful out there. I don't think I'd ever move, but I mean, I'm definitely going back. Definitely very soon <laughs> so now what what part of this year did you did you get into did you get into the oh, sequoia, man. Um, sequoia national forest or was it yosemite or i checked out yosemite um mm-hmm. uh checked out is it the redwood loop mm-hmm. yep Pan, panor panorama trail is that what it's called yes yes um and then you know getting off trail you know i i'd talk to locals and be like you know what's the most area where there's not a lot of people and it's kind of weird out there in this area because the, the a lot of the development is backed up against the mountain like i i was told by several people like you know the the development out there is getting pushed closer back towards the mountain like there's more people out there compared to was i think like 10 years ago or something um and they'd be like well check out this area over here and uh i would go into the backcountry either either walking i'd have i'd hitchhike and have a guy drop me off at like an old service road and just walk up the mountain and um you know, just getting out there, man, and just 
exploring and just seeing what this, I mean, it's some steep mountains out there. I'm not gonna lie. And, um, but God, man, like every hill I crossed, it was just, it was gorgeous. I mean, just everything out there. I mean, y'all had a lot of snow this past year. Um, y'all have just like the, the, it's thawing out. So a lot of the rivers and streams are kind of bulging a little bit. So I was very cautious of that because, like, I think a guy, uh, a farmer, told me out there. He's just like, you know, I don't know what you're planning on doing out there, but he's like, when you're crossing the rivers and stuff, be careful because they're they're swelling. You know, we're getting a lot of melt. And I think um, I came to this. I, I want to say it was like a, a small little stream, but it it gotten wide. And I was thinking about crossing it, and I was just like walking down and walking down, and I was like, it's not getting any better. So I'd walk back upstream and walk back upstream, and I finally found a spot to cross where like a, a um a log had fallen across and I just kind of shimmied across it. But I was extra cautious while I was out there because I'd never been out there. But, um, you know, you guys have a lot of wildfires out there. Um, seeing damage from that and just seeing, I mean, seeing it on the news is one thing, but seeing the devastation in person, it, it really puts it in perspective. You're like, Holy cow. Yeah. Holy absolutely cow. Absolutely true. And it's, it's, um, a lot of snow, a ton of snow. The big concern is the melt, the melt off and what the impact on the rivers and streams and the, the crossings are going to be. I already know that there are a couple of bridges that are major thoroughfares for PCT hikers and, and John Muir trail hikers that are, that are not there anymore. They're going to have to be, you know, replaced, rebuilt. And so it, it's going to be really interesting right around this time of year, a little bit, maybe another month or so to see what the PCT hikers do when they get to the Sierras, because it's, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I went on uh, on one of the service roads. I went on. I was actually going. We call them fire trails. I mean, I guess you call them service trails. I don't know what you would call them, but mm-hmm. um, I actually met. Uh, there's a crew up there. They were doing something. I think they were uh, fixing the road. And I came walking up, and the guy's looking at me like I'm crazy. I was like, "Hey, what's going on, man?" He's like, eh, "You need help? Are you lost?" I'm like, "No, nah, just checking things out, bro." <laughs> and uh, I think the road had uh, washed out or something. Like there was like a small like bridge, and it. it had done some damage so they were fixing the road i think putting in like a culvert pipe or something mm-hmm. um and uh you know i hung around talked to those guys for a few minutes and you know like you know just getting the information from the locals you know you know just asking like hey you know what's a cool spot to check out you know what's something off the beaten path that you know you know locals go to and they'd be like hey you need to check out this place or go to joshua tree or uh definitely check out yosemite um it was just a good time man I, I went out there as a tourist and, you know, I did the touristy stuff, but I made sure to get in the back country and, and, and check out, you know, the other side of the Sierra. So. Nice. Hey, uh, Caleb, have you reached your full, your full potential yet? Uh, I'm working on it. I got a few things to work on, you know, uh, maybe a better trail name, uh, you know, yeah, definitely a better trail name. I think I need to come up with something better. Maybe next time you have me on, I'll have a better one. Okay. <laughs> All right. What, what, what left do you want to accomplish? I mean, what is, what's the next big adventure for Caleb? Uh, the next big adventure, man, is uh, I would like to through, through hike at least the state of Virginia uh, next year. Uh, when it comes to running, um, I would like to enter like an official marathon. You know, um, I'm not scared of it. It's just like, you know, like I said, I, I know what it takes to get in shape. I know what it, I know what it entails. And it's like, I just want to go out there and put out the best performance I possibly can. So next few months, few weeks, I'm going to be out here just, just hitting it hard, just putting it into work. And hopefully uh, later on this summer, maybe in the fall, you know, you might, you might get a picture or a video from me out of my first marathon. So. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Hey, Caleb, you know where we are? Where are we? 
Hiking Hacks. That's right. It's time for Hiking Hacks. Uh, this is the part of the, the episode where you get to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So what what kind of wisdom do you have for them, Caleb? Oh, man. You know, as a hiker, you get to points on the trail where, you know, things are tough. You know, don't give up. Keep going. Take 30 seconds. Push forward. Give yourself 30 more seconds. Keep pushing forward. Uh, and just keep going. Eventually, you'll reach the, reach the end. Um, last piece of advice. I know we live in a digital world, but put the phone down. Enjoy the outdoors. Don't worry about that fire Instagram picture you want to get with your with your homies. Just be out there in the moment. Whether it's good or bad, just be in the moment. That's right. Have, ignore that urge to quit. Always push yourself just a little bit further. If you have to go to point to point hiking or point to point running, where, okay, I'm going to run to the next tree or I'm going to hike to that next tree. And then you get to that tree and then you pick out another tree. You just keep, you keep going, do it incrementally. That's it. When you get around this turn, take a second, look ahead and pick another point and just keep pushing forward. And eventually you'll get to the end. That's right. And put the phone away. Be present. Experience the moment. Be present. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. We are just about done here. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Caleb. And I want to thank you for joining us this week. Kellogg, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Uh, you can check me out on Instagram. You know, if you like hiking and uh, working out and just, you know, getting after it, uh, you can check me out over there. Uh, my username is Caleb Savage. I actually just changed it because uh, it's a really original name. I, I I didn't have anything else to come up with, but if you want to check me out, it's Caleb Savage. You know, I do a lot of uh, photography, videography, working out, and uh, just general wackiness over there. So if you like a good time, give me a follow. Hey, we're always looking for general wackiness. That's that's outstanding. Hey, remember to check out the uh, check out Hiker Trash Radio on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at hikertrashradio at gmail.com. Off the beaten path. Now, unfortunately, we can't always be on the trail. And when we're not, we need to find a way to get our adventure fix. So, Caleb, I'm going to ask you to share some outdoor adventure media with our listeners to help them get by. This could be a movie, a book, a documentary. We call this segment Off the Beaten Path. What kind of recommendation do you have? Uh, it has to do with, like, I mean, I one of the first films I saw about, like, getting out in the outdoors was uh, Into the Wild. Uh, with Emil Hirsch, you know, he's uh, a guy going, I think, from the East Coast to Alaska to get out, really get out there in the wilderness. It was a, it was a great movie. Stars Emil Hirsch. Um, and uh, don't don't give I, away the ending. I'm not giving away the ending. All um, right. If you're an outdoors fan, you've probably seen it. It's an older movie. But uh, that would probably be my movie of choice. But I think books, if you really want a book to motivate you, that really is going to tell you, you know, to really – get you out of your comfort zone and tell you like, you know what, if there's something lacking in your life, here's how you fix it. Check out David Goggins. Uh, you can't hurt me. Uh, that book will get you off your butt and either in the gym or on the trail. Outstanding recommendations. What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss tonight? Oof. Um, you know, I, I love stories. I have uh, uh, two stories. If you want to, uh, if you want to hear them. One's a hiking story, um, and then I have a uh, a workout story, and then I have a a trail height almost fight story. So I'll leave it up to you which one you want to hear. 
Wow. How about we pick two? Let's let's hear let's hear okay. the let's hear the last two. Those sound intriguing. So you want the almost you fight? Work, you had a workout story and an almost fight. Okay, so uh, I went hiking on the AT with some friends. It wasn't anything hard. Um, and we're just out there, friends, goofing off. And uh, uh, we get to the top of this lookout, and uh, my buddies are, like, throwing bottles of water on each other. And uh, these three guys uh, apparently got water on them. They said a few choice words. We're like, hey, sorry, no big deal. We finish our pictures, head down the trail, no big deal. We're in the parking lot just having a you know laugh and something to eat. These guys come down there, and apparently they they were still upset about it. So they were, you know, constantly saying things under their breath. Um, now the people I was with, uh, two of them were purple belts in jujitsu, and then obviously I do jujitsu. And uh, my one friend Andrew, uh, this guy was after him hard, and he was just kind of just smiling. He, that was his personality, and the guy was just calling him every name in the book. And basically, you know, I'm trying to get him out of there. I'm like, look, man, it's not worth it. Let this dude run his mouth. And I remember putting my hand on his chest, like, all right, man, let's, let's just get out of here. And I'll never forget that this smug kid was like, you know, that's right. You know, get your boy out of here for I, I whip his tail or, or whatever he said. He said in other words. And I turned around. And I was like, dude, you don't want none of this. Trust me. And, you know, Andrew's not a big guy muscular wise, but he just kind of turned around real smug, just got in a guy's face. And he was like, you don't want none of this. And just turned around and walked away. And knowing you can jack somebody up, doesn't mean you should jack somebody up. And you learn that in jiu-jitsu. And that was probably the almost fight story. And, you know, I, could, I couldn't be more proud of him. He could have wiped the floor with that dude and made him call his mama, but he just smugly smiled in his face and walked away because he knew you don't want none of this. <laughs> yeah, and there's some, there's some trail wisdom right there. I mean, don't poke the bear. Uh, <laughs> you don't necessarily know what, what, what's in the bear's background or, or what kind of training the bear's had. So, you know, just uh, take the high road. And that's what we did. We just left. <laughs> um, the other story uh, was a fitness story, right? Yes. Uh, so normally my my normal routine for uh, working out is I get up usually about 4.30 in the morning and uh, I run to the gym. The gym is about a little bit of a mile from my house. I run there, I go, I work out, um, and I run back home, get a shower, start my day. Uh, I, I went one morning and I'm, I'm on the way back and it's spitting rain. It's cold. It's probably about 20 degrees outside. Cars are passing. And I noticed a car is creeping up beside me and I, and I finally look over and it's actually a state trooper. And he has this bewildered look on his face. He's like, Hey, what's going on? Is, is everything all right? And I'm like, yeah, what's, what's going on? By that time I'm walking and uh, he's like, everything. All right. You know, what's, what's going on? I said, man, just out here getting a run in. He kind of looked at me. He's like, why i said because you're not <laughs> and he's like all right and just drives away uh, a few weeks later um i see the same cop again but this time it's actually in the gym and uh, a couple weeks go by and we're working out we kind of nod to each other when we see each other but finally i walk over and I say hey man uh how long you had a membership he's like oh, i'm two weeks now whatever it was and um so what made you want to get a membership and he's like dude i saw you at they five something in the morning, 20 degrees outside, it's raining and you're running. And you had no, you had every reason not to be out there and you were still out there. So whatever excuse I have not to go to the gym, it's not going to cut it. And he's like, so I'm in here every day after work and I'm going to be in here until I reach my goal of, I think he wanted to lose like, like 10 pounds or something like that and get, get some more muscle mass. But I was going, okay, that's cool. 
And uh, I see him every now and then. He's still going. Um, and, you know, you never know who you're going to expire or inspire. Excuse me. But, I love uh, that. You know? I love that. Yeah. Every, that you had every reason not to be out there. And yet there you were. There I was. I, yeah, I think I think that is a, a good philosophy. You don't don't let those reasons get in your way. I, I tell people all the time, you can have the best intentions in the world when you're sitting on your couch drinking a nice cold beverage. But when it's time to get up after it and it's cold outside, it's dark, you'll sit and look at your shoes for 30 minutes before you, you decide, like, do I really want to do this or not? And the discipline is no matter what's going on, you put the shoes on and you get after it. Caleb, Caleb, looking at your shoes before you even, you have to get out of bed to, to look at your shoes. I mean, there's a lot of us who are in that nice warm bed thinking about how cold it is outside. We don't even, we don't even get to our shoes. And, and, and you know what, that's the thing, you know, I, you know, people often ask me like, you know, what are steps to like, you know, getting into discipline? And I'll tell you, dude, like I, I took I hate running. I hate running, but I know it's good for me. I love the discipline behind it. Um, I hate getting up early in the morning. So what better way to get discipline at it than getting up before everybody else does? And then when you're up, you know, you have that time to yourself to work out, read a book, you know, catch up on social media, whatever you want to do. You have that time in the morning to do it. And you also have extra time in the day to get other things done that you normally wouldn't, you know, and that's the way I look at it. I'm I'm working out. I have the rest of the morning to do whatever I want to do, you know, hike, cut grass, whatever. But I got my workout in that morning before everybody else. And that's my time to really reflect and think on things is when I'm working out listening to the John freaking mirror podcast <laughs> or, or hiker trash radio or hiker trash radio. I kind of like that. I don't know, man. Like I, I, I you know, I saw you kind of rebranded. I'm like, Oh man, I kind of like the John freaking mirror podcast now, but the hiker trash one's good too. I, it's going to grow on me. I think it will. All right. So training for life, Caleb young. Thank you so much. We are finished. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Caleb. We wish you the very best in your future adventures. Want to hear about that marathon and hope you come back and, and tell us about it. As we Doc, close up today, go ahead there, Caleb. Doc thank, Doc, thank you so much for having me on, man. This is awesome. And uh, I love the podcast. And uh, I, I, I promise you, you know, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a full-time listener. Like you're, you're one of the podcasts I listen to on a regular basis. You really are. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. As we close up today, any shout outs to friends and family, Caleb? Ah, man, I just want to give, you know, I've had some supportive people over the years, um, you know, on social media and, uh, you know, just in general life, but my family, my wife, um, you know, obviously shout out to, uh, you know, Randall Gillespie over at Grunt Proof. He's a great guy. You know, he, he's giving me some props on, uh, on his channel for, you know, trying to get me some subscribers over there. Uh, Eric Coleman, just a great dude, man. Um, always, always enjoy talking to him. And he's, he's one of those people, man. I don't understand why that dude does not have a million subscribers on YouTube. His content is just that good. Like it baffles me. I don't understand the algorithm of YouTube, but go over, like, listen to me, go over to Coleman outdoors and give him a subscribe right now. Just not, not right now after the podcast, but go over there and check him out. Fantastic. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've got a broken arm and you've got to build your shelter with one hand. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. 